Go, go, Power Riders. <laughs> Riders and residents of Los Angeles, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my favorite NB, Kennedy. It feels weird to reference a real city in the intro. It's as if this is like a local podcast. Like, <laughs> like we're I don't even <laughs> think the city name was even mentioned. I'm pretty sure we're just riffing because the, the it was filmed in L.A., right? Yeah, the skyline was there, but maybe it was supposed to be like a new nouveau L.A., neo-L.A. <laughs> and residents of neo-L.A. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We've got Anders Lee here. Anders Lee here. <laughs> so nice to join you. Join us. Yeah, from Pod Damn America, uh, Anders. What is your experience with the Power Rangers? Excellent question. I was forbidden from watching Power Rangers as a little kid. I used to want to watch it all the time, but uh, was was not allowed. <clears throat> I don't even actually know if it was on. So we're just t talking a little bit before the show. We didn't have cable growing up. I don't even know if they. Pl it was on Fox, right? Yeah, Fox okay, Kids. So I, w I technically could have watched it, but and I think I snuck it in here and there, but my exposure to it was mostly at friends' houses, and uh, I dreamed of a day when I'd be able to watch Unlimited Power Rangers. Now I could if I wanted to, so I'm, I'm just a huge disappointment to my child self <laughs> that I'm not constantly binging Power Rangers episodes, but um, it was, you know, seen as violent, although there was no bloodshed, so I was not permitted to watch the pow original Power Rangers. Just or call me the Sentai dealer in the back alley. Yeah. Because I could definitely hook you up with some Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> What's it no holds bar at your household? You're allowed to watch <laughs> as much as uh, you want. I was born in 93. So like mm. I was born in season two of the Power Rangers. Uh, I watched the Turbo movie, I believe, in theaters for sure. But I think my I started with like uh, Turbo. I, I do have a little bit of memories of Zio, but I definitely do remember Turbo. Uh, I had the in space uh, morpher. That was really cool. Uh, nice. Three, three, five. There was a picture of me with Donald Duck. <laughs> and I think my grandparents have it. And uh, Donald Duck is holding the in-space warfare and touching it, like pressing on the numbers. Wow. It's telling me how cool it is. World's so that was, fighting. yeah, that, that was pretty fun. Uh, but I left around Ninja Storm, which is when I went to Disney. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, that's what, see, I remember, you know, what it eventually became... Ninja Power Rangers, Forest Power Rangers, Cowboy Power Rangers, like lot, you know, Power Rangers, Criminal Intent, like all <laughs> types of Power Rangers, and the, it it got to be too much, and that was around the time I would have been allowed to to watch it, but it was it, it quickly became four babies. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I had I had a funny experience with it because my parents, as 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 weird as my upbringing was in some ways. They mostly just let me win the media fights. Like, in the end, I would get to listen to or watch whatever I wanted for the most part as a child. And so the Power Rangers, originally, I was not supposed to watch it. 
And uh, my mom figured out, you know, when I would be watching the Power Rangers because that was the only time when I was like a five to like seven year old that I would close my door to my room oh. was when I was easy watching tell. the Power Rangers. <laughs> so it's like very easy tell. And so they figured it out and they just eventually gave up on the idea of uh, <laughs> stopping me from watching that. And that was a reoccurring theme <laughs> in my life. Yeah, having that's... lived in the South for like the past decade now, the most interesting answer I've gotten to uh, have y'all ever watched Power Rangers as a kid was a uh, no because my parents thought it was liberal brain rot. Really? <laughs> because it was from a foreign, it was a foreign influence. Oh, it was just like, oh, climate change is real. Bah, humbug type shit. Because the early Rangers were definitely environmentalists at the very least. Oh, yeah. Oh, so the lady with the horns, uh, she was like polluting and stuff. They were like dumping no, that, their waste. They, or... they address pollution very weirdly later on directly, but uh, the early Rangers just had plot lines of like, this corporation is doing an oil spill. We're going to get protests and write names to our, and hand them out to our politicians to enforce them to close up this uh, corporation. And like they get it through. And that would or, just be the uh, plot. That's not even, it doesn't even relate to the monsters or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The and time. then it turns Sometimes out it would, like half relate. And then other times it just wouldn't really relate. But yeah, they were always doing like community service and environmentalism and. And the government would actually respond. Like one of the rangers will just make like an offhand comment saying that the government responded by cleaning it all up and all this other stuff rapidly. And it's just like, ah, yes, the beauties of command economy of the USSA. Uh, (laughs) I I sort of remember them doing that in their off time or like when they were teens. When, you know, when they didn't have the uniforms on, they would go and do community service stuff. But I didn't know they did it as the rangers. That's interesting. Yeah, three of them ended up uh, going to work for the UN, canonically speaking. Oh, Um, really? Yes. Mm -hmm. Literally (laughs) do peace work for the world. Just like that was the that was the standard back then. And then later we get Power Rangers SPD, (laughs) 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 where they're just cops. (laughs) Yeah, doing inspections in Iraq. Honestly, it's that's so close to the actual plot. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> oh my god, that's it's episode one, split. isn't it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm just now realizing that that's episode the, one. The intro to Power Rangers SPD is let's look for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Was Hans Blix a Power Ranger? <laughs> <laughs> All along? maybe so but actually well, no um <laughs> well here we are taking the break from uh the disney ownership to the neo saban ownership which is saban buying it from disney again and uh, we've got another series here so you know we did something very outlandish uh with common teacher and you know we covered the movie uh mechanical violator hakaider Kind of been like a bit of topsy-turvy and weirdness toku. Well, I found out about this very weird toku that was released here in the States, but no one ever has any memory of it outside of a select chosen few 
who have uh, brain poisoning on r slash power rangers <laughs> and uh once i found out about it and saw the tokusatsu like wiki for it i was like okay let me see if i could track this down and i managed to be able to track down a copy even though it really hasn't had any home releases <laughs> but hey it got 40 episodes and uh, we'll talk 40. about it by the end so it it, it it explored all of the common Rider Ryuki footage. Put it to you that way, that it uses. Yeah. And it's called Common Rider Dragon Knight. And it was released towards the end of the Smallville era. Like we're talking like season seven to eight on the CW. So this is just like, well, what's the next like superhero-esque action show that we can throw out there that maybe might may or may not work, right? And common, spelled K-A-M-E-N, in case anybody yes. thinks, oh, is this about the rapper common? No, it's uh, a word. <laughs> it's a different different word. Sounds the same. I assume it's in uh, Japanese? Or what does yes. common mean? You okay. remember uh, Masked Rider in the I, early 90s that I also played alongside one. Power Rangers? No, I don't. I don't think so. Masked okay. Rider, no. Well, common just means masked. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. basically, like a common teacher, like common can be anything, right? Like we've had common teacher, common writer. Uh, writers are distinct in how they have power ups and what makes them writer. Also, it's just made by Toei, so it's, that's just the easiest distinction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically, it's just the it's just a way to be like this is a superhero show because it has. A masked hero in it. Nice. Common. Yeah. Okay. Nice and straightforward. Unlike the show. Um, Powerful <laughs> adjective. So, Unlike yeah. something that would be used in the script. Common Rider <laughs> Dragon Knight is a CW show, which is just so trippy to have a late 2000 CW show that is drawing on the heritage of Ameritoku traditions and like yeah somehow it's completely forgotten because it's terrible <laughs> we were gonna try to watch more of it and then we decided that we were just gonna watch something else with our guests next week uh, rather than push on after watching this intro <laughs> we'll go over it later we, but will, yeah. we will cover it later we're, we're actually we're trying to we're trying to procure something that like forbidden knowledge that has been <laughs> never before acquired by human hands, which is a filler guide for common rider dragon knight. <laughs> yes. But yeah, uh this is fuck fucking crazy. If this was like <laughs> maybe ten to fifteen percent better, I'd be like I can stomach it. But it's just at the level of terrible where it's just like, nah, you can't. And I feel yeah. like like I gave us two episodes here because <clears throat> the, the first one ends in a sort of to be continued style. But like by by the beginning, by the way of episode two, I was already like, yeah, nah, I can't. I can't watch for it. And we were trying. We were like, maybe... Maybe not. And some up further context for this: there was an unaired pilot that that got released onto YouTube. Um, mm. it was like leaked onto YouTube, and it's just better. 
Like, why didn't we just get that show? And that was made two years prior. <laughs> yeah, it, it just had like complex like development that we will just never know unless we get one of these actors. Ooh, but there's just no trying. way because this is of a time of like pre-Twitter. It's like, ah, yes, MySpace, Facebook. These people don't want to acknowledge the show that they were on. They know how bad it was. Yeah, some of them <laughs> probably don't want to talk about it. It'll probably be one of those if we if we reach out. <laughs> yeah, realistically, yeah. they're probably not acting anymore. <laughs> that is. Yeah, true that. So, Common Rider Dragon Knight starts out with an episode called Search for the Dragon. The first thing that happens is this woman is like feeling kind of spooked in a parking garage, but she's feeling kind of spooked because there really are invisible monsters in the parking garage. Yeah. And then a guy on a motorcycle shows up to fight the invisible monsters. And he's just like fighting the air as far as everyone else can tell, it seems like. It looks so fucking dumb. <laughs> this was not the medium to release this concept in. <laughs> what do you think would have been a better one? Animated? Maybe. A manga. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. well, would need like really good art to sell this concept. And it has to be still. It can't be animated. It's just it's just too weird. It's too weird. It is yeah, I was somewhat impressed by the action sequences, but then you reminded me that, that they were filmed in Japan. And that literally the only American production this was was the, the people you know, talking in between the fight scenes, right? The they, scenes they, were they like do a couple of fight scenes of their own okay. throughout the series, um, because they would sometimes fight uh, like out of the suits or something like that. Right, but, but that's that's it. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, all of the in suit fighting is pretty much Sentai footage, and was filmed by someone else. So <laughs> that might be why it's better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the suit even, looks cool. That's for certain, right? The I mean, yeah, some of the suits look cool. Uh, the special effects are uh, kind of lousy, but like honestly, uh, there have been clips of this with the Supergirl show and some of the other shows on the CW where the production quality is so bad, and they're like about superheroes, and it's just it's it was it's even worse than this. So I feel like it it depreciated eventually. They're just they've been stretched too thin. But then again, yeah, a lot of those special effects, I, I take it, were uh, from the Japanese studio. Also, the fighting, the actual fight choreography is very high bar as well. So that, I think, kind of makes up for the shoddy production quality to an extent. Yeah. At yeah. first, like, you're like, I'm willing to give this a chance. Like, I was pogged up, actually, from that action sequence. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. I see you. This is cool. This is fun. All right. Whatever. Weird concept, but let's see how they play it out. Yeah. Yeah. And in that first scene, the dude who beats up the invisible baddies um, is helping. His name is Len for some reason. Len. Yeah. Len? Len. L-E-N. That's worse than the naming for Mystic Force. (laughs) Um, but he's like, she's like, what just happened? And he says, you were asleep. 
So he's either gaslighting her and not explaining what actually happened. Or maybe she was asleep and this is all a dream. It's up to your interpretation as the viewer. This is an open air asylum and we're all living in it. <laughs> Len, by the way, looks like a, a sea work terminator. He looks like a PS2 video game cutscene. <laughs> He's this very generic dude with sunglasses and leather jacket. Yeah. yeah. You ever seen a PS2 action brawler? It's one of those where it's like you press circle three times and you do three punches and it like does a special move or something. It's like one of those. Mm. Yeah. Uh... It's jarring, actually, <laughs> because it's so generic looking that you're like, what? Like, this is 2008. (laughs) This this starts setting the standard that, like, everything about this has to take itself very seriously. Like, at first, you're like, okay, yeah, this dude's in, like, a common Rider suit. He's got, like, bug eyes and shit. You know? Um, Whatever, this will be fun. But then he gets out of the suit, and he's like, yeah, I'm a badass. And you're like, oh. Is it me, or does it feel like they have, like, a sepia filter over it or something? Ooh, probably, yeah. Like, it has, like, a very yellowish tint to it. It could also just be L.A. I don't know what L.A. looks like. (laughs) Yeah, that's just the pollution. (laughs) (laughs) They need some more Power Rangers to come by and clean up that smog. No, I think back then, Sepia Filter was considered a special effect. Well, that's the thing, right? RPM had quite a bit of Sepia Filter, and then when it didn't, the show got a lot better. But I digress. Uh, This one, like the two episodes that we watched, it did feel like the Americans were like putting this filter over it to like help it blend in with the Japanese footage, Mm -hmm. which I thought was impressive because I never thought that it took place somewhere else other than L.A. Um, Mm. Because even the action sequences with the Kamen Rider suits, I think, were well disguised as well due to the, the CGI. So props to that, except for the fact that the, the the environments that they chose to shoot these scenes in are, like, as generic as the way Len looks. <laughs> it just feels very flat, right? Like, I, I don't mean to, like, shit on the show so fucking much in the beginning, but it starts right from the jump, I think. Yeah, with, no, there's like, not... With, like, these glaring not... issues that persist throughout the episodes. There's not, like, a long period of, like... Maybe while you're watching this, you you quickly are just like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, like it's just like you start high and then it just it just keeps whittling down, right? Mm-hmm. It it really did remind me of, you know, not having cable as a kid and flipping through, like deep broadcast, which I would would <laughs> call the the CW and UPN. Well, it used to be WB, but I guess what 2006 when it became so this was CW era. Yeah, this was CW era. But yeah, just this, uh, they're all these like sci-fi shows, but they have like the production values way too low to actually be an effective sci-fi show. And like Kevin Sorbo's in them and they (laughs) all suck. Uh, (laughs) Like literally nothing better on to watch. Like the other options are all infomercials. Like this is the only show that's on, on like, you know, 3 p.m., in the summer it's just barely beating out seventh heaven (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we get to this kid character and his name is kit but the way everyone pronounces it sounds like kid 
So you're like, wait, is his name Kid or is it Kit? And this is a frequent question I had in the first 15 minutes of the show. <laughs> yeah, and Kit is like, he's like a troubled youth that keeps getting into trouble, but then he says he's not actually responsible for the trouble. Also, he hears voices a lot, and especially the voice of his dad just telling him bonkers weird stuff that doesn't make sense about a contract card and a dragon. And I have to say, at this point, I just started to become convinced that, like, the main characters of this show are all people falling into a shared psychotic break. Yeah. Nah, that's probably it. I, I, I wanted an answer as to whether or not he was guilty of the things he was being accused of. He was, uh, got in trouble for stealing and was in, like, jail, I think, or juvie or whatever. Juvie, but, like, he has white privilege. Okay, is that what happened? So, like, they just let him off very easily, and then they're just like, hey, you're 18. Like, everyone hates this kid, right? <laughs> I gotta stop saying that. Everybody <laughs> hates this guy uh, because his, like, foster parents are all like, hey, you just got back from Juvie, and you're, like, turning 18 tomorrow, so you gotta leave because we gotta, like, replace you with somebody else. By the way, here's your replacement. This little kid that's going to take over your room. <laughs> Say hi to him. Uh, and then, like, he has an inheritance, and his inheritance is this apartment that his father was in. Hmm. His father lived in. It was like a workshop apartment. I guess, like, his father was divorced. Makes sense. So he had, like, a man cave apartment. <laughs> I, bet the, I bet the mom died or something. That would fit with, like, the genre of show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would. That fits. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, so he just gets to, like, move into this apartment that's apparently just been sitting there paid for, waiting for him. What a, what a still usable situation. So challenging. Yeah, but no one gives this guy, like, <clears throat> life guidance. No one is there for him. He gets, like, no empathy from anybody and therefore no, like, mental health care or anything. So he just has, like, psychotic breakdowns in the middle of the street as he's walking and just living his life. Yeah. And also, it, his dad left him a Yu-Gi-Oh card. It was Yu-Gi-Oh? Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what it looked like to me every time they pulled out those contract cards. They really looked like Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his father left him a morpher and uh, a deck of cards, I think. Because it wasn't just that card, right? I think it was just the one card. It was just the one card, the sword? Yeah, and then Len tries to take it from him, remember? He's like, that's yeah, my card. Right, it's property of the other dimension. Yeah. Right, so every time we talk about these psychotic breakdowns, it's actually just like this, supposedly what ends up becoming like an alien invasion. And uh, these monsters live in this glass parallel world, but can like get out of the glass and kidnap people. And like you can't see them until they touch you or you touch them. Mm. But like if you haven't made any physical contact, you can't see them. They're just invisible people. So there's these like kidnappings that are happening. This is getting very existentialist. <laughs> It's definitely a high concept show that yeah. said 
the execution wouldn't really reveal much of that to you. <laughs> right. It would. Yeah. The just the studio backdrop, coffee shop. It reminded me of that you know, that fake barber shop somebody made up for Elizabeth Warren's campaign. It was like that style of like set stuff, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I, or like I, that that New York mayoral guy that was pretending to live in that apartment. Eric Adams, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Everything... he loves this show. This is probably his favorite like piece of art. And if he's asked that, he's going to reference it, and everyone's going to be like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but anyway, Eric Adams' favorite show, I'm curious as to how... So did they have the fight scenes already and then just write the rest of it around them? Or how did that work? Yes. Really? Yep. Yes. So the fight scenes could have been about anything. Yes. Oh my god! And they chose this of all things. Wow. It's like a. It's almost like a clickbait, in like YouTube era, right? It's like you got to make the title more enticing, and it changes the context of the clip. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did they go in this direction? Do we do we know? Do we know who wrote it or anything? It's from the person who made. Uh, drive. <laughs> Are you Don't serious? Stop trolling me. Got okay, it. so I, no, I had this experience where I was reading a review for Common Rider Dragon Knight, and they <laughs> said that a lot of the action sequences are really good, uh, which makes sense because this is the director who did Drive, and I'm like, Drive? That's one of my favorite movies. How is this show so bad? But then what I discovered was it wasn't Drive. The more recent film, it was the 1997 straight to video film drive that you don't remember for a good reason. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's incredible lore right there. I'm looking up the. Okay. What is this, Van Damme? <laughs> no, it's not. It's a knockoff Van Damme. It's, it's oh. we have Van Damme at home. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it. so the and the person who made Drive ninety seven wrote and directed this. Yes. yes. Okay. Oh, Brittany Murphy is in ninety seven Drive. Well, now I kind of want to watch it. Now I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it seems like we are progressing really fast through the plot, uh, it's because we are because every single line of sentence of dialogue is seven words. Yeah, there's right. there, there there will be like a short bit of people talking, and then there will be a long sequence of really unnecessarily drawn out drama set to music with no talking, just lots yeah. and lots of just like B roll of L A. <laughs> yeah, and that's the staple of these. Like UPN WB shows is LA skyline again and again and again and again. And it's not even like they want to show that it's in LA. It's just is there because, you know, they have to film on a lot and it's just in the background. You remember yep. that era of American cinema that was basically just UK comedy, but Americanized? Like The Office? With different actors? Oh, uh, like coupling? Mm. Or you're talking yeah. about cinema? Uh, oh, like Hugh Grant stuff. Yeah. Or with, with American actors. Um, like, what's an example? There's that movie where it's about a funeral and it goes really like crazy or whatever. Um, there was a, there was like a, 
basically it was the a, uh, a funeral of a father character and the son had to give a speech and a bunch of wacky things ensue uh and it has it has like a lot of uk centric comedy and then basically the states made their own rendition of that with american actors and i think like martin lawrence and chris rock were in it really yeah, oh, um, okay. it wasn't as good as the UK comedy because they essentially just like played it shot for shot versus doing their own thing. And like, mm. if I was to frame Common Rider Dragonite that way, it might be better that way. Um, but it's not. It's a completely original story that somebody fucking dreamed about and wrote it into this show. But it reads like somebody did really shitty trans, like a really shitty translation job. Yeah. So it's not uh, from Common Rider Ryuki. Yeah, it's not it's from a that. Completely new, completely clean slate with the action sequences already there. So Kid is traversing uh, around the streets and having psychotic yeah, breakdowns. So he's he's having a weird time. Also, there's this journalist. Well, journalist feels almost like a strong word. She's a truther. An aspiring Yeah, she's definitely like a QAnon person. <laughs> she's a podcaster. <laughs> it's like QAnon meets interdimensional. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and her name is Maya. And uh, she is like the only slightly compelling character for the most part because she actually like talks and emotes sometimes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> such a low bar. But, really, really you know, low bar. This shot, this show, really like does not pass it all the time. So she works at a cafe and has a friend who works at a thrift store. And the friend comes in. This is my favorite scene from the whole thing. It has an outfit on, and she's like, "I call fuck." I'm trying to remember what she says. I call this one. Do you remember what the line is? It's like just some weird reference that doesn't make any sense. And then one of the Maya's coworkers is like, really? Because I'd call it uh, trailer trash. And she's just like dead silence. And then she walks away and Maya and her friend like crack up at her. Just this very awkward, like the room Tommy Wiseauian uh, dialogue. It is like the room. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lacey, her friend, first of all, Lacey's sense of fashion would be considered very hip in 2021, so that's kind of funny. She's, yeah, yeah right. it kind of circled back around to this fashion, right. huh? And then also, Lacey and Maya are supposed to be, like, best friends, but Maya just, like, talks shit about what Lacey cares about all the time, which is clothing. And, like, I get that you think that your journalism is more important than fashion or whatever, but you're literally chasing like QAnon rabbit holes around and Lacey is out here setting trends. Lacey is like clearly a billionaire by 2021. <laughs> yeah. There's a third friend in the mix too. What was yeah. his name? Uh, Trent? Trent? Yeah, Trent. <laughs> oh no, like in Dino, uh, Dino Thunder. You ruined this scene for me because you said every time he's in this scene, he doesn't close his mouth. Trent is incapable of closing his mouth. <laughs> I have that problem, too. <laughs> every time he finishes a piece of dialogue, his mouth is just hanging open ever so slightly. 
and like at times it just looked really ridiculous to me and it made it hard for me to take anything about it seriously yeah it's a good trait for comedic acting i've found i used to have that problem as a kid but was able to parlay it into comedy slack jaw if it, if this was a comedy right. it would have worked like he that's the problem he looks like he just walked off of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle or something. And he's like an extra from that movie. And they just like grabbed him for this and he's still high. You know? <laughs> I think if we had more like the room-esque scenes in this show, it would be a lot better. <laughs> really, the problem is the lack of meaningful dialogue or things happening that's going on a lot. Where again, it's just like Kit wandering in the street seeing dragons and like reflections hearing his dad like tell him stuff that doesn't make any sense and call him kid his his dad tells him to chase the dragon and i'm like chase this is in 2008 <laughs> <laughs> that's a like a drug thing right yeah, yeah and he's like this is like common portrayal of someone who's on drugs like that's played on tv right like, the way he's even acting is sort of like that. So it just really feeds into that narrative. Well, like Anders pointed out, we don't know for sure even if this kid is a criminal or not. Right. Like, they don't resolve that. They kind of leave it open-ended where he's insisting, no, no, I've been framed for all these crimes. But everyone else on the show is like, oh, yeah, that guy, he's a thief. Right. Maybe he's getting get profiled later on. But, yeah, I don't know what this guy is like. Are pe- who's framing him? Is it the people from the other dimension? Uh, that makes sense, I think. You're probably making up a more interesting storyline than what's presented here. <laughs> because nobody nobody really addresses this. Like, no one ever goes out of their way to be like, you're a fucking shithead for, for all of this stuff, and uh, we need to address this. Why are you like that, huh? It's more just like, oh, you're a shithead. Let's like, move on to I'm the not. next plot point. He's like, no, <laughs> false. I did not, and we don't know what happened. It's it's that that that's what I want more answers for. I'm gonna watch all 57 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the a dragon appears in whatever. the in the in the fucking passenger seat window, and he's like, holy shit, I need to get even higher. um dragon was a nice touch so kit has this confusing experience with maya where she is like hanging out and he is like seeing these invisible monsters and he's like dragging her down an alleyway and it just really feels like you know she's probably being kidnapped by somebody having a complete mental breakdown disconnect from reality um, but then uh, Len shows up and also starts fighting the monsters. And then also Maya gets to see the monsters finally and is like, wait, they really are monsters in the alleyway. What's going on? She gets pulled into the mirror for a second. Len pulls her back out. They don't really explain that, like what happened in the mirror. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Kit goes into mirror world with Len. And this is when Len starts being like, give me your contract card, kid. You don't need it. It's it's mine now. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to bully his way into getting those contract cards. Yeah. 
He's like, yeah. your competition. There can only be one common writer. So the episode basically ends with uh, slash episode two begins with like Kit and Lynn get separated as they leave Mirror World and Kit's like, well, guess I'm Scott Free now and takes off and Lynn's like, I'm going to find that guy. Rrr, I can be the only one Highlander girl, something mm-hmm. like that. It uh, is pretty like I would say like the setup for episode two is great because when they suit up, when both of them are suited up, you're like, okay, all right, maybe what, maybe, maybe, maybe this, maybe there's something here, and then you realize like the voiceover work is ass. It is <laughs> dookie. Holy shit! And the soundtrack. We haven't talked about that yet. But the soundtrack is really, really bad. It's all this like, like weird, like wannabe new metal shit goth something or another. I don't even know. <laughs> like, and it's just behind every scene and it doesn't really pump you up at all. Right. It makes everything feel bad. So. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to explain this next episode because mostly it's bullshit. Maya has Kit's wallet, and so she's trying to track him down. Also, Len broke her camera because she's trying to get photos of monsters and masked riders, and he's like, nope, not getting a photo of me. So Maya has this whole unresolved thing of wanting to find these people again. Um, and uh, that like basically culminates towards the end of the episode with like Maya finding Kit and being like, we should find your father. You know, if there's this other world, maybe your father is in the other world, which is not like- only that, but uh, Kit was able to chase the dragon and yes. uh, successfully. So Len he kept trying to say like, dragon. Len was trying to say like, you can't capture that monster. Uh, you didn't weaken it enough to be able to throw the pokeball at it. Uh, successfully, mm. and he's all like, "Yeah, okay." Like he's just like <laughs> nodding along, like, "Yeah, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh," uh, just to get Len to shut the fuck up and go away. And then Kid just immediately goes after the dragon, contract cards the dragon, which basically just means like, put a card in his morpher, and is like, "Ah, you're mine," and it gets sucked into it. And uh, the Len was basically warning kit that he was gonna be vented if he does it and kit was like what is what does vented mean and len doesn't really explain it so then kit just gets intrigued more to do it right (laughs) and like what did kit get out of it a fucking amazing power upgrade like kit was getting fucking owned in the beginning of all this and then he captures the dragon and it's just like oh shit he's doing rider kicks it's it's awesome when he does that shit, but like I think another one of the thing of another one of the letdowns is you know we talked about the soundtrack, but really it's the audio mixing. If it was actually mixed okay, this would have been passable. But like everything is very monotone. Yeah, like in audio levels yeah. and all that stuff, the voice acting, the sound effects, the music, it all culminates in a very monotone sort of experience when you're supposed to feel excited or like you know amazed at what's going on on screen you know when you're trying to get literally you're just trying to draw any emotion from this and the (laughs) the show just seems to find a way to rob it from you 
Also, a lot of this episode just like revolves around a construction worker that gets covered in cum. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a <laughs> like this this like gooey white webby stuff comes out of the mirror and attacks him. And then he's just like thrashing around like and like Kit and Len are like kind of trying to save him or whatever. And it's just like a long, awkward nonsense scene that goes on forever. And uh, the episode basically ends with Kit just like going into the mirror again for another fight. But then another common rider shows up and this one starts fighting him. Bum, bum, bum. There's a third common writer. What? Spoiler alert, there's 13 fucking common writers in this show, apparently. Yeah, Ryuki was known th- for having a lot of common writers, so it makes sense as to why this, this show got 40 episodes at least. Just wild. It's a lot of toys to sell. Yeah, and each one has sort of like a individual, unique uh, style to it, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so that's probably what they're going for, toys. Yep. A couple of other details I want to add is that the the capture card system or the contract card system, excuse me, can also summon items. So like he has one that gets out a sword, um, which I think that concept's pretty cool. It reminds me of like Digimodify in Digimon season three, Tamers, where like the Digimon, like you would just swipe a card Along the Digivice, and then, you know, the Digimon would just get, like, fucking Iron Claws all of a sudden, or some shit like that. It's very much like that. I think that was pretty neat, honestly. But, yeah, that's basically all the plot details I wanted to go over. Was there anything y'all wanted to cover before we get into this review? A brewing sexual tension between Kit and Maya, I think. I I predict that will take a turn for the romantic as the series progresses. This was going to be like the product of like a frustrated playwright who wanted to write his, you know, uh, existentialist, like waiting for Godot thing about, but about like the a different dimension and we're all in, in between dimensions and whoa. And then <laughs> stuck with this like crappy CW project and was like dumping off their artistic vision into this. But it sounds like, uh, not so much. It sounds like it's just kind of a random half-assed, you know, an excuse to get this I don't know out. the complete story to this, but I will say this. They wanted to do a season two. The creators? or The, the creators uh, wanted to do a season two. Really? So they were, they were hype about it. Okay. Yeah, they, they were like pitching a season two. They were doing all this stuff. They, they were very proud of this project. Uh, and they pitched as hard as they could. I feel like this is, again, one of those shows where if it was released during the Netflix era, it probably would have at least got two seasons, you know? Mm. Um, but Maybe. unfortunately... <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, Reboot got two seasons, and that's, like, one of the worst-rated shows on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I still think, like, if this was, like, maybe Netflix era, we would have gotten another season out of this. Uh, it could have had, like, that sort of Family Guy style comeback of, like, hey, we're going to... Pe- the fans have petitioned enough, we're going to get a season two, you know? Constantine got a season two, and that was on NBC, and it just went animated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, yeah. like, one of my favorite shows. It just had a rocky start. <clears throat> So I definitely think that there was sort of like potential that I could see potentially here, but 
it's just so like monotone. Um, was there any plot points that we in particular missed, Kennedy, or did we get it all? I think we pretty much covered it all. There was very little that actually happened. Yeah, this was one of those shows that like I heavily noticed that the writing was bad. Like there's certain moments, like there's a lot of TV shows out there where you can just go like that moment was really bad. This one is just like, oh, no, the whole like every sentence that comes out of people's mouth is not enough to explain what the fuck is going on at any point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Complicated, but also stupid at the same time. That's usually a bad combination. Let's go ahead and review it. I'll go first. Uh, This is like this is like a three, maybe even a two. You're so generous out of. Out of 10 out of with 10? a max of 12. And the lowest that we've ever rated something is like a negative 2. But usually within 0 to 10. <laughs> I feel like the the morphed scenes are good. It's weird because like when they say Common Rider, you're like, oh shit, get hype. But they don't say like Common Rider, Dragon Knight. They just say Common Rider. And then insert, you know? Yeah. It's like the shit that you could be pogged for, you're like missing it. And there's somewhat of like something interesting potentially going on. And like if this was like a four, I'd be like, fuck it. Let's fucking watch all 40. But it's just like terrible enough to the point where like I don't want to keep watching it. But the action sequences, like Anders even said, were pretty good. Right. I can't dismiss that. It was pretty hype seeing Len do his like rider kick and then seeing uh, Kit do his rider kick and, and that type of shit. That stuff I thought was cool. Um, but when you get to them just in plain clothes out in the streets of L.A., the show falls apart <laughs> entirely. <laughs> it sounds right, yeah. like mid-2000s AOL music, like a lot of the soundtrack. Yeah, is. for sure. <laughs> Kennedy? Uh, it's a it's a zero. <laughs> it's a zero. It's it's a nice flat zero. Uh, sometimes the whole is worse than the sum of its parts. <laughs> there might be a couple of things that I was slightly positive on about this show, but everything that was bad about it just slowly ruined everything for me and to the point where it was just like ash in my mouth, and that's a zero. <laughs> that's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Actually, the only other thing I'll say is that it just I just really need to reiterate again that it really felt like all of this was going to turn out to be like a psychotic breakdown or something. And if they had actually gone there, maybe it would have been a cool show. Uh, like if, if it had been like addressed it, you know, where it's like I haven't been suffering from a mental illness this whole time. It turns out uh, these invisible monsters in the glass are real. Like, yeah, that, maybe, give maybe me that would have anything. <laughs> give me literally anything. The show refuses. Downright fucking refuses. It's like, like here's that, the most basic dialogue. There's this anime paranoia agent that does this really good job of making you wonder about this sort of like these sort of fantastical experiences that some characters are having and sometimes even sharing but then often really seem like are d- 
delusions later like are presented you know in in this way where it's like this was not necessarily real um and uh there's even like a superhero kind of figure in that show that like when he is in his own like world of the fantasy he looks like a badass superhero and when he's not he looks like a crazy person that put on spandex you know um and like uh, you know, that is presented completely differently. That's really like if the show had gone there, I would have been with it, but that was about the only explanation that was gonna make this make sense to me. <laughs> uh so yeah, it's a big it's a big fat zero for me. Understandable. Anders? I would give it a a one point five is my final ruling. I you know, I understand Kennedy's perspective, but also, but I, I do think that the fight scenes were very good and was somewhat, very lightly, but somewhat drawn into the character, the character arts of, of um, Maya and Kit. Kind of wanted to see how they intersect. It was, yeah, they, they were somewhat intriguing. So 1.5 for effort, but not a, not a good show. Is that out of 10 or out of 5? The 1.5 out of 10. 1.5, okay. I don't even know. I'm how just to making sure because you were a yeah, bit more that's... positive than uh, than that 1.5 score led on to believe. <laughs> well, yeah, this is like mean... my, this is like uh, the needle drops. Uh, my beautiful. Listen, Anders is fantasy. a podcasting professional. He's just <laughs> trying to have a good time with us, you know. <laughs> I just like to be. I like to be nice. I like to give positive reinforcement. I, I, I don't like the withering critique. Well, this is where I drop the bombshell and say that we actively have a friend of the show, uh, Netscape, is coming through. And uh, I said, listen, you have a, a set of skills that I am in need of, and that is to watch this entire show of 40 episodes and uh, come up with a filler guide for us to watch. And we'll do it for two Patreon episodes. So when Netscape gives us that filler guide, we will watch this show. Uh, and it, it it was one of those things where we like two day like we were talking about it for two days after we had watched it of just like, <laughs> what do we do instead? Like, mm. do we actually watch the show? Like. Net, we're recording with Netscape in a couple of days. Like we have to make a decision, especially yeah, we, also like we had forty episode show. It, Wait, you know, we had that same realization. We had already sent the intro to Anders, so <laughs> there was no backing out of this episode. Unfortunately, I was Not like, "Yeah, no, we got to do it. We got to do it." Um, Netscape is a person. Yes. yes. Okay. Used to be a web browser, but. Now, huh? now he's a person. <laughs> happy, uh, very happy for Netscape. Yeah, a good sized uh, Twitter poster for sure. If you're looking for a Common Rider Dragon Knight best and worst episode and season review episodes, that's going to be uh, locked behind our uh, newly revived Patreon that we will be uh, opening up soon enough. But that's where you'll hear some more Common Rider Dragon Knight. Uh, Anders, what have you been up to lately? Great question. Uh, podcasting, of course, with Pod Damn America. We are on the podcast app for our public episodes, and we have a Patreon. We just did an episode about the 
1989 Invasion of Panama, which I guess was Power Rangers on air at that time during Operation Just Cause. I guess it was 93, you said, right? Yes. Okay, so little little before that, but I feel like it inspired Power Rangers in some ways because as we discuss, there were probably lasers used in the invasion. Unconfirmed, but uh, not unlikely that they used lasers. Also, uh, my other job is on Redacted Tonight on the RT America Network. Let's go. Find on cable uh, or on YouTube or the app Portable.TV. And you can find me personally at Andersley here on Twitter or Dursley1 on Instagram. Well, Anders, I have one last question before we head out. Sure. Uh, Would you be willing to watch more tokusatsu that wasn't made on Xanax? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it would depend on the drug, but uh, uh, yes, I'm open to it. Hell yeah. I- I'm glad that you were able to stomach this because uh, we had a, you know, we've had an incident before that uh, really shaped our show where the guest like noped out of the first five minutes because it was really, really bad. <laughs> ah, then what did you talk about? Just, I mean, we still talked about the plot, but we, we really okay. did ri- rip into that one very heavily. <laughs> well yeah it's uh it's an interesting genre i'm sure there's a lot of good stuff out there too yeah i mean not to mention when you have 18 seasons of something it's just like that can be about anything really right it's not like the simpsons where it's just kind of like well at the very heart of it, it's still a family sitcom mm-hmm. power rangers they've they've morphed the show into fucking whatever genre <laughs> one year it's a uh, it's harry potter the the next year it's uh ice agents okay, going yeah. out and terrorizing uh alien immigrants that's kind of yeah i mean wait so they're not aliens are they are the power rangers aliens no though there is alien rangers okay but so they are really keeping the earth safe from aliens right they're they're preventing aliens from, from coming in and living or destroying arguably they would say Depends on the season. Power. Okay. There, there's there literal one theme songs. In particular, where they have explicitly displaced an indigenous population of aliens. Listen, <laughs> it was the rich people who exploited that land and caused the issue. <laughs> it wasn't the the brave citizens of the USSA that caused that issue. <laughs> But I think like there there is seasons out there that like address more um topical issues and really Power Rangers is just a cultural signifier of like what's currently popular in the states more so than like a tokusatsu that is the same type of tokusatsu every year, right? But just mm-hmm. redone or like Pokemon or something like that, right? Mhm. So yeah. It's what it's like one of those things that hey, it can spawn like these sorts of dramas that you see here with Common Rider Dragon Knight. And I am kind of appreciative of it because I don't know, like I mean, our mutual friend Aaron is plowing through all those seasons of The Simpsons, and I'm just like, I can't do that. Ooh. Like I, I can't well, the, I can't like, do that type of stuff. I can't do 18 seasons of Simpsons. I could do 18 seasons of Power Rangers. I could do 10 seasons of Simpsons, but I feel like everybody, this is a tangent, but I feel like everybody has that season of The Simpsons where it just got bad, you know? You just can't go on, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. I really can't see us doing this with anything else. (laughs) Maybe Gundam. Gundam. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. Gundam for sure. Uh, (laughs) That would be the the one. Um, 
Anders, I, I just want to say thank you so much yeah. again for joining us. This has been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. And we'll see you guys next time on Sentai Truther Club. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.